Welcome to Machine Learning, The Way the World Works. I'm really enjoying talking about healing through Christ. When I think of Christ, I don't think of him as being a God who is not caring. I think of Christ as a God who cares and who loves us and has strong belief in us. Sometimes when you're in pain or suffering, you think that God is not near you because logically in your mind you believe that how could he be concerned about me when I can't even love myself. And in reality, he can be concerned about you because he knows you personally and he has holds you as valuable. Now that's one of the re- things that I find fascinating about Christ is that he can hold people who don't appear to be valuable, valuable. And I was, uh, I was uh, led to kind of ponder about this when I, my wife and I were at um, Dairy Queen and we saw, she saw a man slap her, his son, and she walked out and I asked, and I followed her and I asked her what had happened and she said that, this man had slapped her son that uh slapped his son and the boy i walked in back in and I, I was wondering if i should say something to the man but he he was really angry and um i chose not to but i just stayed and watched the boy didn't appear to be hurt but i i was wondering you know i've been thinking about how can the lord love someone who seems to be cruel to other people or, and the wife seemed to be somewhat anorexic, very thin, and she was very passive about the event, didn't say anything, and they had a newborn. And so this was this family there who was very agitated, and they had come in to get some food, and they they just were standing there, and they just seemed to be angry. Um... And, you know, it it is exhausting to see people who are suffering. And it's also, for, for them, is probably exhausting to have suffered or to be in pain or to have these conditions, which may be self-imposed. Uh, when we, we choose to be angry, we're reducing our ability to think. We can't communicate effectively when we're angry. And we move kind of into this fight or flight mode and everything becomes confrontational and the communication channels begin to break down. So how do we go from believing that Christ does not care about us to believing that he does? There's a beautiful picture where Christ is reaching down into the water. And I think it's an analogy of Peter when he was sinking into the water and he said, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached out his hand and grasped Peter and lifted him uh, back onto the water and they both walked on water. Now that that is a phenomenal feat. I have never seen that feat done in my life by any human being. Um, I've heard legends of some of the Taoists being able to levitate, which 
I've never seen either. And so these things could all be myth, but uh, but Christ could do it because he was a God, a son of God, of Elohim, and he was the great Jehovah, and he had power over the elements. He could walk on the water, and he uh, raised Peter up so that he could walk on the water. Peter had enough faith to walk out to the master, but seeing the waves, and they were boisterous, and they were dark and turbulent, he began to fear, and the Lord said, Oh, ye of little, or how could thou doubt? And, um, you know, where is thy faith? And he lifted and strengthened Peter so that he could walk on water. I have no criticism at all of Peter. Peter is an amazing man in all aspects. His bravery, his courage, his devotion to the Lord are um, very amazing to me. I can't even think of the word to say other than exemplary. So when we stop and say, you know, I love myself. I love what I have, my characteristics. I love how I am interested in uh, feeling good. Uh, I like art. I like to go on vacations. I love my family. I love everything about me. And we find the reasons to love ourselves. We will begin to see that the Lord loves us also. And perhaps people who are damaged emotionally, we talked about emotional bleeding, perhaps they are individuals who haven't acknowledged their feelings. They haven't acknowledged that pain that is causing them to disconnect from people and to have cruel intent. Uh, I don't I've often wondered, you know, with criminals, could they be rehabilitated? I listened to several debates when my daughter was in uh, speech and debate. And there was a set of arguments that were saying uh, that, yes, they could be rehabilitated if they had certain type of offenses, the a law. But others, if you let them out, they would immediately return to their predatory behavior patterns of rape, murder, mayhem and so there there has to be wisdom in that in that guidance there but as i listened to it the thing that they wanted to say about rehabilitation is that they could find useful places in society again that uh, a person made a mistake they did their time for the mistake and then they could change their behavior if they could begin to um, surrender to a higher power. So they can't be isolated. You cannot recover or heal by yourself. You need, you need the help of others. We ask for other people to, be, to give us that, that uh, strength, and we ask for the Lord to give us that strength to be healed. And so we can't do it alone. And so that when we isolate ourselves and say that, you know, no one understands me, it's a way of, of a, being emotionally abandoned. And we put ourselves in that barrier or in that cell, and then someone comes along who is the Savior, and he sees us in there as we are suffering, and he tells us there is a better way. 
and to trust Him and to do what He's asking us to do. And when we say, Lord, I am willing at this point to listen to you and to follow what you would have me do in my life, then we can make the big choices to stop the behavior that is plaguing us. Because we may have the most sincere um, intents to stop bad behavior, but we keep succumbing to the uh, temptation and weaknesses that are associated with that behavior or in associated with the influence of our peers. And uh, many times we don't want to say anything to people because we're afraid. We're afraid of the danger. We're afraid of the risk. We're afraid of, uh, of disappointing our peers. We're afraid of criticism. We're afraid of sarcasm, sarcasm. And at never any point in work, family, or relationships is abusive communication okay. And so we need to stop that at the head. When we see that kind of ridicule or abuse, we need to say that's not acceptable and we need to set the terms and the consequences. If people are going to engage with us in that conversation, we need to tell them up front. We need to spread the word that we don't like uh, sarcasm and ridicule and we don't want to dishonor or disrespect them, but let them know what our standards are. And through that, then they can get the communication of what we expect out of them. And there is uh, a mutual understanding that can occur. There's that shared meaning that we've been talking about that results from setting those boundaries. And once those boundaries are set, then it can help them to change their behavior and also change our behavior. It puts us in a safer zone. And once we're in that safe zone, we can acknowledge our feelings, how we feel. We can feel these it's safer so we can uh, drop our guard. And we can feel these feelings of love for ourselves and for others that we may not have felt safe enough to open up to. And then you start to notice the little things that really mean a lot to you. Um, Peace and quiet, tranquility, uh, serenity, a good night's sleep, a nice meal, a friendly letter, a nice gesture by someone who you love. These are all things that can make and make a difference in our life. We can shed uh, our toxic relationships with others. And we could decide who we want to associate with and who we don't. And sometimes by removing ourselves out of environments where there is, um, there is temptation, we can, we can begin to become more sober. And sober means more serious. We can become more serious in the teachings of Jesus Christ. We can become more serious in the words of Jesus Christ. And we can be drawn closer to Him. And we can feel love towards him. And as we do, we'll have less uh, shame and guilt in our life. We'll have less desire to self-destruct. We'll have less desire to bring harm to ourselves. And it's not that the Lord takes away our pain. We'll always have pain in life. It's, it's a tough world. But we can get strength enough to overcome our pain. 
and that's through his, his power and his atonement. In the end, he's special to us. He looks at us as his child. We often call Christ Abba, meaning father. He's a father. He's paid for our sins and therefore, as a father, becomes the father of our spirits in that sense. Uh, we did have Heavenly Father, who was the original father of our spirits, but through Christ's atonement, we, he, we are become joint heirs with him. And joint means that he shares with us. So a God that will share with us power, glory, light, knowledge, truth, intelligence, he's someone that can be trusted. You cannot trust, you cannot um, gain a relationship without trust. And so the step, first step is that Christ loves us first. See, we don't love Christ first. He loves us first. And when we can feel his love in our life for us, then we can start to trust him. And that's how you know that Christ loves us. And that's how you know it's safe for you to love yourself. If Christ will love you, then you must be of value enough to change your life and to find purpose. And that purpose is to, to have a purpose-driven life centered on Christ. And your life will be fuller. You'll have the Holy Ghost with you, Holy Spirit. You'll feel his light and truth and his companionship when you receive the ordinances of the gospel. And, and it will lead you there. You know, you'll, you'll, want, you'll seek out these things. And why did Christ draw such a large crowd that followed him? Because he healed. And it's that simple. If you want to be healed, follow Christ.